Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. That's good. Only Him. Come on, let's give it up for only Jesus in this place. Come on, if you love Jesus, can you make a little bit of noise in this place? Come on. I love that. I love that. I always say we can get excited about a lot of stuff in life. Why can't it be about Jesus? And we're in a basketball gym where people get really loud over some middle schoolers that don't take showers that do layups, right? And uh, I know what middle school smells like. When you walk in here on Sunday, it smells like middle school. Y'all know what I'm talking about burnt feathers and beef stew. Come on, somebody. That's middle school. We can get loud about a basketball game. Can't we get loud about the name of Jesus together, right? So that's why church is going to always look like a party for us. And uh, that's why it's always going to be loud and it's always going to going to be one of those things that we're going to be very vocal about Jesus and that we want to lift up that name. And so I just want to welcome everybody here. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I get the pastor here. My name is Dustin and my wife Allie right there and our family. We get to lead here and we're just honored that you're here. So thankful if I haven't met you yet. I'd love to do that. I used to hang out after service and I'd love to high five you, get to know you. But man, we're just so grateful that you're here. And I want to welcome everybody that's watching online. Can we put our hands together and welcome everybody that's here watching online? I love that. I'll just tell you, um, I believe that God is building his church. And again, as A.B. and, and Katie said up here a few minutes ago, that, uh, that God is doing some incredible stuff. We're in uh, the last stretch of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so uh, I'll just tell you, it's been, it's been a challenge uh, uh, for a lot of people giving us some social media or giving us some food or whatever it might be. Uh, but I know that God has probably been speaking to you. I believe with all my heart that if we commit to that, if we're committed to praying and committing to fasting, that God will speak to you. Now, why do we do that? Why do we do seasons of prayer and fasting? We do it twice a year, once at the beginning of the year, once at the, uh, kind of school gets kicked off and started again. And I just think that we do that because we want to really, I call it true north. We want to get ourselves situated on what true north actually is and get laser focused in on Jesus and what he wants to speak into our life and how he wants to speak into us. And so removing some distractions from that, getting stuff out of the way, getting some stuff moved out of the way in order that we can focus on Jesus better. So we got one more week of that. And uh, so every single day at HQ throughout the week, we are meeting at 6 a.m. Yes, the Lord is awake at 6 a.m., all right? Some of y'all ain't, but Jesus is, all right? And so we're praying and we're, we're getting together and worshiping. That's at 6. We'll have you out by 7 o'clock. Uh, and then what we'll do on Saturdays is we're just praying over at the lot, which as the girls said earlier, uh, that is where our, our future home of Purpose Church is coming this fall. Praise God uh, that we have a place to call home that's not Callaway County Middle School. We honor this school system. We're so grateful for this opportunity, but it's going to be good to have a home uh, for us. Uh, again, you see maybe some lights flickering or some other things happening. Guess what? That's Portable Church. Come on, somebody, right? We set this place up every week. Can we put our hands together and just thank our serve team? Love you, serve team. I got my kids' shirt on. Because uh, our kids' team's uh, just an incredible team, teaching our kids on their level. And today's a big day for all of those uh, sixth graders that are in the room for the first time. Man, we love you. We're glad you're in this room and really excited that God's going to speak to you. Believe that God's got an incredible plan for you. Students, go to youth on Wednesday, all right? I'm going to tell you that. Go to youth, get plugged in, get involved, and uh, we can't wait to see what God's going to do with you, all right? So cool. I, I want to tell you one more thing is that next week um, we are ending our Built to Last series, and we're capping it off with our legacy offering. We do it every 
year, and I've told you about it for the last six weeks, I always want to give you a big heads up uh, because I, I'm not going to coerce you into giving. I just want you to ask God, God, how would you have me and our family participate in this? And we got a big vision, a big goal to, to reach at the end of this year, of, or not the end of this year, at the end of, of next week to really go out and finish the project that God has put out in front of us. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. I'm really thankful that we have that. So we're going to be doing it. And nothing weird. It's going to be at the end of service just like we normally take up tithes and offerings. Uh, but we're asking you to ask God, what would you have me give? How would you have me participate in that? And it's above and beyond the tithe. We do it every year, but this year, obviously, we're giving towards the, to being in our facility debt-free, no, no, no nothing like that, uh, which is awesome. So we're going to be able to do that because of your generosity and my generosity together, uh, as we talked about even last week. And so uh, if you weren't here uh, the last couple of weeks, we've kicked off a new series called Built to Last. Somebody shout, Built to Last. And I just want us to be a part of something that is built to last, not just here for a few years and gone, but we want to be a part of building Jesus' church, which is going to be here for forever. And, and at Purpose Church, we're just honored to be able to do that alongside some other incredible churches that are out there. And I'll just tell you, I'm so thankful that you're here. And uh, if you're able to, I just love it. If we would just, if you're able to stand to your feet in honor of God's word, we're going to read God's word together. If you don't mind doing that, that would be awesome. Uh, if you're able to today. And uh, if not, I know you're still going to be standing uh, as we honor God's word. We're going to read out of Nehemiah chapter 4. If you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. I love that. Here's what the Bible says, Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to read three verses, and then we're going to walk through it together, all right? Uh, So this is what the Bible says. Verse number 1, Sam Ballot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. And he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what are these bunch of poor feeble little baby Jews think that they're doing, right? Do they think that they can build the wall? Somebody say, build the wall. All right. Can they, you think they, they could build this wall in a single day by just offering sacrifices? Understand that they're, they're even mocking God. They're even mocking their worship of God. And so see that right there. It's pretty wild that's going on. With, with, with few sacrifices, do they actually think that they can make something? Do they actually believe that they can make a difference? Do they actually believe that God is really going to do something with this uh, of stone from a rubbish heap and a charred one at that? As we talked about last week, they burned the gates. They burned the city walls which was all of their protection. And then not only does Sam Ballot jump in there, but Tobiah, the Ammonite, he says, who was standing beside him, remarked, watch this, this is, a, this is some strong, strong, you may need to use this. No, don't use this And when you're talking smack to anybody else. That stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it, right? That's some major trash talking right there, right? And I, I just want to read that to you to kind of preset us up for where we're going today. And we'll walk through a couple more verses together in just a few minutes. But I want you to tap your neighbor, and I want you to tell them the title of today's message. It's this idea, haters going to hate. Go ahead, tap your neighbor, say, haters going to hate. Go ahead, haters going to hate. Tap your other neighbor, say, I ain't a hater, but haters going to hate, all right? I like it, I like it, I like it. I like it. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak through your word today. Thank you for giving us your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said a good amen, amen, amen. You can have a seat. And as you're having a seat, I want you to think about a question I'm going to ask you really quickly. Has anybody out there ever tried to do something good 
but felt like all you got in return was bad? Come on, somebody. It's an all-skate. I want you to wave at me if that's you. Everybody on the skating rink now, all-skate. Some of y'all don't even know what skating is, all right? Uh, all right? Hey, I think we've all been there where we say, hey, you know what? There's, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to do something. And then it just seems like we just get hit in the face with bad stuff, right? We'll talk through what a couple of examples might be for us. I don't know about y'all, but uh, uh, if any of you have never, haven't been to church in a long time or whatever, uh, and maybe today's your first time, obviously we're so honored that you're here. But as a, maybe it's your family coming back to church after a long time or you're out during COVID or whatever it might have been and trying to get everybody ready, doing good, trying to get everybody ready to go to church. And guess what? You're running behind. Y'all are fighting the whole way to church. Come on, somebody. All y'all know on the way to church, you're like, shut up. You know, you're reaching the back seat, seeing who you can slap and uh, all of that. You're reaching back there and you're hollering. And then you step out and you see the park team out there and they're waving everybody in. You're just like, oh, hey, you know, hey. Nothing here. We're just having fun. We're just good. And uh, what happens is, is that we try to do something good, but it seems like we're running late. The kids are taking their shoes off in the car and throwing them wherever, and they're doing all this stuff. And, man, it just seems like it's bad in the midst of good, right? Uh, anybody ever been there before? Come on, somebody. You have, you got kids, okay? You know what that's like. I think about uh, another example would be like this idea uh, of the fact that some of y'all are trying to do something good by paying off your debt. Come on, somebody, right? Dr. Dave Ramsey, all right? He is a cuss word in some people's houses, right? But like this idea of Dave Ramsey, man, you're going to do the baby steps. You're going to walk through these things, uh, get out of debt, get your family situated, get some retirement going, doing all this stuff. And guess what happens? That air conditioner goes out. Come on, somebody. I mean, y'all been there, right? Or something breaks on your car and you're like, really? Like right now? Really? Anybody ever been there? Come on, wave at me if you have. I think we all have. And there's been times that we've had it. We've been trying to do good. And then something happens where it's just, just opposition of that. I think about maybe for some of us during 21 days of prayer and fasting have been giving up some sweets, all right? Been giving up eating sweets. But how many of you know you may be trying to eat a little healthier. You may be trying to fast a little bit. And all of a sudden, just people's niceness, they bring four dozen of your favorite donuts to the office that day, right? Anybody ever been there? You're trying to do good. But, man, in the face of all of that, there's some opposition, right? There's some temptation. There's some bad coming back at you. Uh, I, I think about this. Maybe you want to jump on the serve team. And uh, we had this happen a few weeks ago. It wasn't their first time serving, but it's their first time uh, being back in a kid's area. And they were serving. And uh, I, I'll just tell you, I, I, we had a kiddo throw up all over her. Come on, somebody. You're trying to serve the Lord, and you got upchuck all over you. Come on. I mean, you know, that's, that's bad. When you're trying to do good, right, you're trying to make a difference. You're trying to do something of significance. I think about that, and I think about all of our lives. I think we, uh, we walk through seasons like that. And that, I, I just think something that I think we can look at Scripture about, and I just believe, and I want you to just kind of get this in your heart because this is where we're going for the day, is that any time that God leads you to do something impactful, any time that God leads you to do something meaningful or generous or long-lasting or lasting for eternity, don't be surprised when you begin to face opposition. All right? Don't be surprised. In fact, I would just go as far as to say this. We should expect opposition. We should expect resistance. We should expect obstacles to be in front of us when we are called by God to step up to make an impact. 
back wherever we might go. I think that's important for us. I think as we look all throughout the Bible, that that is a theme that we see all throughout God's Word. That all throughout the Bible, we are watching, we are seeing this idea that in the face of something good, there's always an obstacle right in front of you. I think about you start in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, right? They're doing good things. They're communing with God. They're walking around the garden. They're spending time with God every day, right? They are naked and felt no shame. They are there. They are, they are themselves, and they are walking around in the garden with God. They're naming animals. Where they came up with some of those names, I have no idea. But, like, they're doing good work. They're good, doing the things that God called them to do. And in the midst of that, what happens? Satan comes, and he tempts them, and they fall into temptation. And what happens is in the face of doing something good, there's opposition that stands at the door and knocks, right? Think about through the Bible. Keep going through it. You know this guy named Moses, right? Anybody ever heard of Moses? If you have, wave at me. All right, y'all remember this back in the day whenever, um, uh, it's, this, this was like Sunday school back in the day. There was a song back in the day called Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. That's the saved people in the room right there, that hood right there, okay? Like, like that's what we used to sing because Moses, right, what happened was is he was supposed to go and set God's people free. He was supposed to go and, okay, the Israelites are slaves to Egypt and they're supposed to be free because of God's chosen people. And, and what happened is Moses is supposed to go and set them free. And, uh, and what happens is, is Pharaoh is right there and opposition is right in front of him. So he's supposed to do something significant, but there's opposition in the way of it. I think about you keep going through the Bible, David, Goliath, you go through the New Testament as Jesus is crucified, buried, and resurrected. He sends the church out and says, hey, go and make my name famous. Go and make the name of Jesus. Take it everywhere you go. Baptize them in my name. Uh, do whatever, And wait for the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, go and make a difference. Go and build the church, right? Go and do that. What happens in the face of building the church? There's opposition that comes up. There, there, there's, there's this guy named Saul who eventually becomes Paul and writes half the New Testament, right? But there's this guy named Saul that is destined and bound and determined to stop the name of Jesus. So what I want us to understand is that all throughout this Bible right here that we read and we declare as God's word, there is a there is a struggle that's going on between, okay, I'm going to be obedient to the things of God and opposition coming on the other side of that obedience. And so I think we got to get ready for that and we got to just make note of that. And that's where Nehemiah is. So Nehemiah is no, no different than what we see a lot of these other people in the Bible facing opposition whenever they're called to do something great. So again, maybe you haven't been here in the last couple of weeks. Maybe you have. Let me catch you up really quick. And uh, a few weeks ago, we started this series about this guy named Nehemiah, and it's a book in the Older Testament. Somebody shout, Nehemiah. That's the guy. He's the main character of this entire book, and he's actually writing this book to us. And, and what he is, he wants you to know that he is a cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes in Persia, okay? So that don't mean a whole lot to us, but his job is to test the food and the wine before the, t the king did to make sure it wasn't poisoned, okay? That's a bad job, okay? That ain't a good job for nobody. Nobody wants that. That's just ordinary. Like, nobody's really signing up to do that. But I'll just tell you, my man Nehemiah, uh, while he's, he's uh, serving the king in that way, builds some favor with the king. God allows him to have some favor uh, with King X is what I like to call him. And uh, he finds out that there is a problem back home. Like his people are God's people. Finds out that the walls have been broken down. And you got to understand at this time, if the walls of a city were broken down, that means anybody could come in and take over. That means you could never build anything of value, of worth, of long standing. Like you could never do any of that as long as the walls and the gates were burned down or broken down. 
down. And so Nehemiah hears about this, and it breaks his heart. And I want you to understand that it wasn't just like a, oh, a late-night commercial on TV kind of broke his heart. I'm talking about it broke his heart so much that he is 850 miles away from there, and he travels there to go make a difference. I want us to get that because to us, 850 miles, hey, that's a plane ride. You know what I'm saying? We'll jump on a plane. We'll be there in six hours. This was not a plane type like, that hadn't happened yet, okay? Like, it's a long time ago. There was no plane. There, that, like, this was, a, this was a long trek that he had to make. So this was not just something that was a small conviction. This was a Holy Spirit-inspired conviction on the inside. I got to go and make a difference. I got to go and do something about my people, God's people, being in trouble. And so Nehemiah begins to travel back, and he's an ordinary dude. I want you to understand, and as Pastor Kyle even talked about last week, can we honor him? Kyle did a great job last week walking us through that. He's our operations pastor and does an incredible job week in, week out. But I'll just tell you, he, he walked us through that last week. And what we need to understand is that they begin to build side by side. Like, and if you go through Nehemiah chapter 2 and 3, you'll see all kinds of names that I ain't even going to try to read to you because I would definitely get them wrong. But I'll just tell you, you see it happening. It says this guy and his family built beside, next to them, next to them, next to them, next to them. And it says that over and over and over again. And what happened was, was Nehemiah casted a vision and said, hey, you know what? You might think this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And we're going to rebuild the city of God, what they were saying, it was going to be the city of God's people. We're going to rebuild it, and, and God is going to help us, that God is going to be on our side, and they began to rebuild the wall. So what we see is that they got about halfway done, and we'll read it in just a few minutes, uh, but this idea that as they began to build the wall, as they began to make a difference, what happened? We see right there what we just read at the beginning, beginning of today, uh, that literally whenever the walls, when, whenever work started to go down, the opposition started to come up. Come on, somebody, right? So whenever they started to build the wall, excuse me, Samballot and Tobiah show up. That's what we just read a few minutes ago. Samballot was very angry when we were rebuilding the wall. It says he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews. He was mocking their faith. He was mocking their work. He was mocking everything that they were spending their life doing. He was mocking. And then not only that, Tobiah jumps in there. He's like, yo, even a little fox could walk over that, and that whole thing would fall down to the ground. And so I want us to understand something. Again, this is a theme I think we can see all throughout Scripture, is that this idea that we have to get used to is that when you step up, the haters show up. Come on, I'm going to say it again because y'all didn't do nothing with that. All right? I said when the hater, when the, when the, when, sorry, when you step up, the haters show up, right? Anybody ever been there before? That you feel like God is calling you to take a step. You feel like God is calling me. I'm going I'm to I'm take this faith step. And immediately you get pushed back from somebody or something, right? I think that happens because what I think we ought to understand, and it is a principle that we see all throughout Scripture, is that anytime you and I advance, it's going to invite opposition, Advancement's going to invite that in. So I just think that we have to understand that Satan is not threatened by those that are walking the same direction as him. 
Okay, he's not threatened by that. If you and I are walking just kind of the same way that the devil's going, he ain't going to mess with you at all. He's not going to let you just keep doing your thing. He's not going to bother you. He's going to say, okay, yeah, you just keep doing you. You're kind of following the same direction that I'm going. But trust me, as soon as you decide that you are going to put a dent in the darkness, that you're going to walk counterculturally, I'm not going to look like the rest of the world. I'm going to be different than the rest of the world because I follow Jesus. I'm going to try and honor God with everything in my life. And you say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make a dent in the darkness in the world in Jesus' name. Just understand that when you decide to do that, the alarm bells of hell start to go off. And Satan will do whatever he has to do to stop you. Anybody ever been there before? You felt that, that God has told you to do something, and you immediately felt some resistance come at you. And I think if we want to just live it easy every day, just kind of flow through, flow by, build for a little while, and just kind of just see what it looks like, see if it lasts for a little bit, it'll be okay. If we want to do that, we don't have to give, we don't have to serve, we don't have to pray, we don't have to care about the things of God. Uh, we're just going to do enough just to make us feel good spiritually and get a little goosebumps on Sunday, but not ever do anything that makes a real difference in this life. If we just want to coast through, that's what we can do. But the second, somebody say the second. The second that you step outside of your comfort zone, the second that you decide to be a part of building something that lasts is the second that a target winds up on your back and opposition begins to show up. Nehemiah steps up. Nehemiah says, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to build something that lasts. And immediately, Sambalat and Tobiah show up. And I always heard uh, the, the great theologian, Babe Ruth. Come on, somebody. That ain't a theologian. That's a baseball player. But he always said that the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats, right? And the idea is this idea that people that have no investment in what's going on, people that have no uh, connection to what's happening on the field are going to boo the loudest. Same thing was happening right here with Nehemiah. Sam Ballot and Tobiah, they're mocking everything that's going on. They're saying, oh, you don't even know what's going on. They don't have no skin in the game. They don't have any connection going on with rebuilding the thing that God had called Nehemiah to do. And so this is what I want to ask us. When that happens, how do we respond? Right When that happens, how do we respond? What, what do we do when opposition shows up in the face of us doing something significant for God? You know what we do? We got to do what Nehemiah did. You know what that is? You don't. Y'all get that? Everybody good? I'm like Dr. Seuss up here. I feel the spirit of Dr. Seuss on me right now, okay? Like you want to you wanna know how Nehemiah responded? He didn't. Didn't respond to the critic. Didn't respond to the opposition. We'll show you exactly what he did in just a second, but I want us to understand that we got to have the same posture that Nehemiah did. Nehemiah didn't retaliate. Nehemiah didn't respond, didn't try to, to defend. He simply didn't respond, and guess what he kept doing? He kept doing the will of God. He kept doing the thing that God told him to do. Now think about that, that yes, so many times we'll have opposition come from people that may not agree with us or may not like us or may whatever, but how many of you know that sometimes when you step up, that sometimes even the people closest to you can say some of the most discouraging things to you? I think about that, uh, uh, and we'll see that happen and play out in just a second in Scripture. I think so many times when, when we decide to step up, when we decide to say, you know what, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm, I'm going to do whatever you've called me to do. And what that begins to do is that produces some insecurities in other people. And even some people that are close to you that, might, that, that you might love and that might love you, but they may look at you and say some really discouraging things. Say something like, are you really wanting to do that? You sure? You sure you want to change your major to that? 
are you, are you sure? Are you sure you really want to be a part of that? Are you sure? You're like, you're getting up that early to go sit. Are you sure? Like, are you using your head right now? Like, what's going on? Like, don't be foolish. Like, who, who do you think that you are? And I want to tell you a little bit of my story, a little bit not for myself, but just to let you know that I, I know exactly what it feels like. And the fact that as a kid, I was five years old and I was diagnosed with leukemia. And I had cancer and went to St. Jude for two and a half years for chemotherapy and went there. And uh, during that time, I met Jesus, praise God. I accepted Jesus during that time. And uh, I remember my parents praying for me. And uh, as a dad now, I just can't even imagine the turmoil that my parents were in. And, and I remember my parents telling me, because I remember them crying out. And I asked them, hey, what were you praying for? What was it that you were praying for? And I remember them just saying, hey, Dustin, we prayed that if God would spare your life, he'd use you for an incredible purpose. And uh, just so you know. Purpose Church, one of the main reasons why we called it Purpose Church was the fact that Romans 8.28 says, God works all things together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called, are called according to his purpose. And so I don't know what it is that you're walking through. Let me speak to this really quickly right now. I don't know what it is that you're walking through. I don't know what it is that you're dealing with. I don't know what it is that you walked in this place holding on to so tight that you don't know where you're going to take your next breath or your next step. I just feel like I need to speak to that, that if you will place it in the hands of Jesus, guess what? He can use that somehow for your good if you love him and you are obedient to him. And you say, God, whatever you want to do, I'm going to let you do. I walked in with this, but I'm going to lay it at your feet, Jesus. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you use me and do whatever you want to do with my life. Let me just share with you, I believe that that's some people that walked in this room that needs to do that today. And I just feel like even right now in my spirit, can I just pray over some people in this room that you need that to happen over you today? I, just, I, 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 I feel like I need to do that right now, that you walked in here with something that, that you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus today. So right now in the name of Jesus, I just ask you, Jesus, that you would do whatever you want to do. Holy Spirit, as people walked in here today holding on to something, holding on to an identity, holding on to a thing, holding on to a person, Maybe even somebody that's watching online or listening on the podcast, God, that they are holding on to something that you are asking them to lay at your feet. And so, God, I pray today that you would just bind that spirit, that you would break that spirit of darkness that's over their life, that you would break that addiction that's on their life, that you break that family generational curse that's there, that they would lay that at your feet, Jesus, and that you would do whatever you want to do with their life from this day forward. I pray that redemption happens, that salvation happens, that freedom happens in this place today because of you, Jesus. I believe that all my heart, Jesus, and in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. I just feel like I needed to do that. Can we give Jesus a big ovation right now? I feel, like, I feel like somebody's walked in here with something going on, and I believe God's asking you to drop it. I don't know what that is, and I, our prayer team is going to be at, the, at each wall at the end of service, and I think you may, maybe somebody needs to move to them and tell them what that is, that they need healing from, that God wants to redeem them from, that God wants to do something. And again, if you're watching online, send us a message. We would love to follow up with you. Where am I at? I don't even know. Okay. I remember in my life that, that there were people around me as a, as a kid. I remember, okay, hey, God is using this. He's going to use this for good. And I remember as a 16-year-old kid, I was at a church camp, and uh, I, I remember sitting in a room like this with about 700 other students. And I'll just tell you guys, I really worried so much growing up about what other people thought about me. It's really something I still struggle with to this day. And I, I'm always challenged by Galatians 1.10. Am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God? I can't please both, so let me please try and please God, right? But I remember as a 16-year-old kid, I, I, I just worried so much about what other people thought about me. 
obviously saved at a young age, but I, I grew up in church with my family. And, man, I saw my parents, and they were youth pastors for years. And I just saw that, that I, I felt a deep call to the church of Jesus Christ. That I would just give my life to the church to build the church in Jesus' name, not for myself, but in Jesus' name. And I, I felt like it was going to be in student ministry for the rest of my life. Uh, thank God it wasn't. We wouldn't be here today. Uh, but, but, man, I, I really felt that at the time. And as a 16-year-old kid, how was I supposed to articulate that, you know? Like, how am I supposed to say? Like, I, I, I really feel this way. But at camp, I remember standing up in a room full of students, and the, the camp pastor said, hey, I want you to sit down if you don't feel like this is something. And he was speaking right to me, y'all. I mean, like, saying, you feel like you need to give your life. Not, not, not you already know Jesus, but you need to give your life to serving Jesus in the local body of believers. That there's going to be pastors and missionaries that God is calling out of this place today. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so, like, kind of like, that was a Scooby-Doo moment. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so we do that in the car with my kids. It's really crazy. ADHD, y'all go with me, okay? Uh, and uh, I remember gripping onto the back of that seat, and I remember thinking, no, 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 there's no way I could do this. He said, hey, I'm going to count to three, sit down. If you don't feel that, stay standing. If you did, it seemed like forever before he counted. And I remember staying standing that day saying, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus. Obviously, I already have my life to Jesus, salvation. I want to I serve his church for the rest of my life. That's what I want to do. I feel like I'm called to that. And so I remember that, and I remember saying, how do I say that to somebody? Like, you know, how do, how do I speak that to somebody? Because all these people had these expectations. I was going to go, I played community college basketball. What's up? Played college ball, but it was PCC, but it's still college, so what's up? Uh, y'all don't even know what PCC is? It's Paducah Community College. It ain't a big deal, okay? Uh, I'm just telling you. Um, uh, but, but I remember that happening and getting scholarships for that and some other things like that. But I, I remember so many people that loved me, so many people that were around me, that I felt this call into ministry, and they would tell me, hey, you know what? You need to have a backup plan. You need to go and make sure you have a backup plan for that. You need to like you need to have something to fall back on. You will never be able to provide for your family as a student pastor. Like we love you, you'll do great, but like man, you really should just get get like do something else and then let that be on the side. And I just remember that feeling of yes, the haters out there can be loud, but some of those voices that can be the loudest, right? I think there's so many times that we walk through that when we decide to step up, when we know God has called us to something, when we know that God is challenging us to do something, and maybe God is challenging you today, maybe it's to be a foster family. And people look at you and say, you know what, you can't take care of your own kids right now. Why can't you, why, what makes you think you can take some, care of somebody else's? But you know that deep call on your life is to do that. And maybe for some of you it's to start that business. And you have that business on the inside of you that you know is supposed to honor God and is going to honor God. But there's so many people around you saying, man, you, you need to wait for a different time. You, you right now and all this stuff is going on, wait for a different time. But you know right now is the right time that God has called you to do that. Maybe for some of you it is to change your major. Maybe for some of you it is to go into ministry with your life. Maybe for some of you it's to begin a crew, right, and be a leader of a crew. And I'll just tell you right after the service, uh, in the lobby over the next three weeks, all you got to do is show up one time. We want to show you how easy it is that you can lead a crew. And right out in the lobby, 15 minutes, Randy and Tink will be out there so holding these signs and, and, and hanging out out there. I would love it if you'd stop by there because it's great that you're here on Sunday like this, but I'm telling you, freedom happens in a circle, not in a row on Sunday. Salvation was going to happen in here. Things are going to happen in this place, but I'm telling you, you need some place that you can take the mask off and be the real you. And that happens in crews. And so I encourage you to do that. But maybe for some of you, you are called. You know that God's saying, hey, start that crew. But there's people around you or even in your own head saying, you know what? No, I'm not smart enough. No way I could do that. Like, I don't know that much about the Bible. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too inexperienced. I'm too busy. But what I want to challenge all of us is, is that when we step up, the haters show up. 
But an important message that I've heard uh, Lisa Turkar say before, she said this, don't let people's compliments go to your head and don't let their criticisms go to your heart. The degree to which you do either of these things is the degree to which you'll be ruled by what other people think of you. And so I'm just going to challenge you. Whatever that critic said, whatever that person said about you, whatever they spoke over you, you need to live by this principle right here. And it's that God's voice is greater than all other voices. Right? It's God's voice is greater than all other voices. Nehemiah did that. And this is the thing I want to challenge you with. If the voices that are on the outside kill the conviction that is on the inside, maybe we're listening to the wrong voice. Right? Maybe we're listening to the wrong voice. Man, if that conviction is still there on the inside, no matter what the opposition is coming, we need to be listening to God's voice over everything else. That's what 21 Days of Prayer is about. That's what 21 days of fasting and prayer is about, is to hear God's voice better. God, I want to hear you more clear. I want to hear you clearly. I want to hear you speak into my life. Nehemiah said this in Nehemiah chapter 4. He lived by this. God's voice greater than all the other voices. Watch what happens. All these other voices are around him. Sambalat, Tobiah, their friends, everybody gathered around him saying, Oh, what you're doing, not going to make a difference. What you're doing, not a big deal. And watch what Nehemiah does in verse 4. Then I prayed. Somebody shout, then I prayed. Again, it's what prayer and fasting is about. It's about hearing God's voice over all the other voices. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. Some of y'all, that's a bathroom verse that you're going to put up on your mirror. Don't do that. would not be good. And may themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. And watch what he says. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. Again, why is this church going to be a church that's excited about life? Excited because we serve a risen Savior who is not dead, and we're going to do whatever it takes to serve with enthusiasm, to say Jesus is our point, people are our heart, generosity is our privilege, faith is our reaction, honor is our posture. That's going to be about us. That's what we're going to be said about us, that the church, the people worked with enthusiasm. I love that. So what did Nehemiah do? He prayed and he got back to work. He prayed and then he got back to work. I think some of us, it's so practical right there that Nehemiah, he wasn't going to lower himself down to argue about petty things because he had a higher calling to do the will of God and build something that lasts. Nehemiah was practical and he was spiritual. Nehemiah was saying, you know what, and I just think for us, some of us, a challenge for us today is this idea that maybe some of you need to step up in one of those two areas. The practical or the spiritual. Maybe for some of us, we're on this practical side. I'll work, 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 work. I'll do it all day long. Man, I'll work from night, uh, morning till night. But the spiritual side of it is you, you're not prayed about it. You've not began with prayer. You've not focused yourself in on Jesus. And I just want to ask you, step the spiritual side up. Man, lean into the things of God. Lean into his word. Lean into praying. Lean into fasting. Lean into reading. Doing those things. Getting in a crew. Joining a, a part of, of people around you in community. And join a serve team. I just want to challenge you to do that. And maybe some of us 
are all the way over on the spiritual side, and we're, we're praying, 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 but we're not doing anything with our hands. And I want to challenge you to serve, to give, to begin to step that area up in your life, because Nehemiah was doing both. He was fighting with a sword in one hand and building with a hammer in the other. And I think it's so important that he's practical spiritually and practically. Pray like it all depends on God. Work like it all depends on us, what Pastor Craig Groeschel says, right? God, we need your presence, but here I am. I'm showing up to work. I'm going to do whatever you've called me to do. God, we need your grace. And God, we're willing to do what you've called us to do. But God, listen, I, we need your wisdom, but I'm willing to roll my sleeves up and get my shovel out. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. And if Kyle, if he could come up here, that would be awesome. Because I'm going to end on this last thing because I want everybody to understand something really quickly. That there's haters out there. There's things that may come against you in a lot of those things. But let me challenge you with something that happens with me a lot of times. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10, what you see and what, what begins to happen is people are saying things. And watch what the people of Judah begin to complain. The workers are getting tired. And there is so much rubble to be moved. We'll never be able to build the walls by ourselves. And the Bible goes on to say, meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we'll swoop down on them, kill them, end their work. They won't build anything to last. The Jews who lived, to the, uh, lived near the enemies came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So what we see right there, and I'm getting ready to close, is this idea. And Nehemiah's friends and, and his people and the people of Judah, they start to doubt. And they're not just doubting what others are saying or what's going on around them or that the job's going to be done. Guess what they're starting to doubt? Their own ability. Starting to doubt on the inside of them. And I think so many times if we can just be real honest, I think that's the hardest critic that we face is on the inside of us. The person that we listen to, that we're around all day long on the inside of us, this internal opposition, this insecurity that I have, it's my own doubts and Satan would love nothing more than to get you to be in your thoughts, to say, hey, you know what, who do you think you are? <laughs> do you really think that you can make a difference? You don't have what it takes. You'll never be enough. Maybe somebody's feel this, felt this before. You're not smart enough. You're not gifted enough. You're not talented enough. You'll never get it right. You can never lead them. You can never do that. And I'm just being honest when I say, that's on the inside of all of us. And I, I think back to what we talked about even a few weeks ago. It's in those moments, though, that as we're thinking those thoughts, that I have to go back to what I have to, to realize is that, you know what I'm doing? I'm putting the focus on my voice over God's voice. I think about what they said right there. The workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the walls by ourselves. And you know what? I think that's the goal is that you and I would never be able to get through this life on our own. And we'd never be able to get through what we're going through on our own, but that we've been given a, a, a Holy Spirit through Jesus, that we've been given a Savior that literally has gone before us, behind us, and is beside us. And no matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, no matter what season we might find ourselves in, we're not called to build this by ourselves. We're called to be conduits. We're called to be hammers in the hand of the master builder in Jesus himself. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. And again, I, I want us to understand it's not dependent on me to build. It's not 
dependent on your perfection. In fact, the Bible says that his powers made perfect in my weakness. That's what the Bible declares. It's in those moments and it's in the moments like what Nehemiah was experiencing. That we have to do the very same thing. When we're battling our internal thoughts, when we're battling the opposition around, when we're battling, again, it's not opposition of flesh and blood. There is a real enemy, as we talked about a few weeks ago, 1 Peter chapter 5, that is out to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And he's like a lion. He's not a lion. He doesn't have the teeth of a lion. He's got to bark like a lion, but he ain't, he ain't a real lion. And I want you to understand that there is moments like that where you're going to be fighting those things, and we got to do exactly what Nehemiah did. So I'd love it if you just stand to your feet right now, because I want to speak this over your life. I want to speak this over your family. I want to speak this over your situation. we got to do what Nehemiah did, whatever we're facing. Nehemiah looked at, at over the situation. I called all the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, watch this. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Somebody say, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Somebody say, remember the Lord. You've got to remember, like those building the walls, we have a real enemy. And again, John 10.10 says his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. But what does Jesus say? Jesus said that I have come so that you may have life and have life more abundantly. Isn't it good news, church, that we haven't been left defenseless, that we weren't left on our own? He's given us a spirit, not of fear, but of love and a sound mind. And I just think it's so incredible that we haven't been left with no defense, but we've been given the full armor of God, as Ephesians said, with the word of God being the only opposition and the only uh, offensive weapon that he's given us. I think about Jesus, right? Nehemiah is just a foreshadowing of Jesus in the fact that Jesus himself had some opposition that he faced. He had some opposition that he was walking into. From the time he was a baby, there was this guy named King Herod that was trying to kill him. He said, kill every baby under the age of two years old. And Jesus was under that age, so his family fled. And then they came back. But guess what? Jesus, even as a, as a little baby, was facing opposition. And not only that, he grew up. And before he went public with his, his ministry and before he started to make a difference wherever God was telling him to go and, and the miracles that were about to happen and the signs and wonders that Jesus was about to do, I want you to understand that he faced temptation in the garden to give it all up. Hey, if you'll just bow to me, if you'll just listen to my voice, Satan said, I'll give you all of these things, but not today, Jesus said. You know why? It is written. And I just came to declare for some of you today that the, even the cross was in front of Jesus, that Jesus was going to do something incredible by saving the world, and he did it through the cross. My sin and your sin. And Satan thought he had won. The opposition thought that they had overtaken Jesus and the good. But guess what? We serve a risen Savior who's alive, who's not in a tomb. He's, he's risen, and that's the God that we serve. And so I came to tell you, listen, don't be afraid of your enemy. Remember the Lord. Don't be afraid of your enemy. Remember the Lord. What's the situation that you're facing? What is it that you're walking through? My heart for you is that you would remember the Lord. That you would remember the fact that Jesus has won. That Jesus has overcome. That we're not going to fight from a place for victory. We're fighting from a place from victory. Because in Jesus' name, he has given us victory because of what he did on the cross. One more time, can we give it up for King Jesus in this place?
but this is my heart for you. And this is what all of our weekend service is about. There's some of you that have never called on that name of Jesus to save you. You've never called on him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. And I'll just tell you, he's not upset with you, angry at you. He came to you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to welcome you into the family. And how you do that is you put your trust in him. The Bible says that if you and I, if we will declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. So I just want to challenge you. Maybe you're in this room, and you need to make that step of salvation today. You need to say yes to that relationship with Jesus today. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to ask everybody that's in this room, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're watching online, if it's safe for you, would you do that as well? I just want to ask you really quick, you've never done that before. And you sit here under the sound of my voice. You say, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need Jesus to come in my life. I need him to save me. We need to realize that our sin that separates us from God, that we're far from God. But because of Jesus, he made a way where there was no way. And the Bible says, again, declare with your mouth, believe in your heart. You can do something like that by saying this. Say, dear Jesus, I want you to come in my life. I want you to save me. Believe what you did on the cross. Believe that you gave your life for me. Believe that you died for my sins. And I, I put my trust that you didn't just die, but you got out of the grave. And from this day forward, I give you my life forever. I give you my heart forever. I give you my, my, my life here on earth. Would you lead me? Give me your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your spirit to go out and make a difference for you. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're in the room. Or maybe you're watching online and you just prayed that. I just want to tell you that we want to be a church that celebrates that. And uh, I'm so thankful that we had three people give their life to Jesus last Sunday. That's good news. And you're not alone. It's a church that we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate you. And I just want to let you know that on either side of this room right now, I'm not going to ask you to come down here to the front, but I am going to ask you to take a step. Would you go to one of the two walls that are in this room on the, on the, on the sides? Because some of our serve team is there to congratulate you, to high-five you, give you a hug, tell you you're awesome, give you a Bible, pray with you, whatever you got going on. We would love it if you would go see them. That would be awesome. So our, our serve team is going to be moving as well. So just so you know, there's going to be people moving that are around you. So don't feel like you're the only one moving. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, come on, church, why don't we lift our heads up? And if that's it, can we just put our hands together and party like it's 1999 because of King Jesus and what he's done in this place today? Come on, y'all can do better than that. Give it up for Jesus. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.